If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Balls. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the Cowboys. You know, we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Ballsy Cowboys Podcast for our pre-training camp edition. Kevin Sherrington has once again been barred from the studio. Uh, by Bard, we mean he's on vacation. But joining us also from vacation, or, or otherwise known as Cowboys Training Camp, is David Moore. Thank you so much for including me on this podcast, Evan. I, you know, your enthusiasm is overwhelming, David. It, I, I have that effect on people. Uh, you are right now in Oxnard, right? I am, but but first, um, I'm a little perturbed by a stance you have taken on social media. Uh, is this going to be more Guy Fieri talk? Why do you Why do you insist on attacking a man who has opened the eyes of the nation to diners around the country and given them some culinary? secrets and hideaways that they can enjoy upon their travels. I'm, Why would I, you do that? I believe that he is great at doing that. I believe he should stay out of the kitchen when it comes to preparing my food. Well, your food, what about other people's food? I, uh, have you dined at any of his restaurants? <laughs> I believe he's consulted on some restaurants. I, I don't know that I've actually dined at any of his establishments that... Is the guy cranking the, the dishes out of the kitchen? Let me. I. I, I let me tell you a couple things real quickly, David. Since, since you, which is why I brought this up. I'm trying. I'm trying to understand the depth of your jealousy here. So since, please go ahead. Well, as I just told Emily Jones on our Rangers podcast, when she said, "Why are you so butthurt over Guy Fieri?" Um, I said, "I'm jealous of his hair." Um, but here, here's a couple things. Let me let me tell you something. Uh, okay. His first restaurant that he opened. Okay, this is now this is an Italian man who's got uh, a lot of culinary background. Um, his first restaurant that he opened was a pasta place, right? Okay. Okay, I'll take your word for it. He I've, named I've, it. I've not. I have not read his Wikipedia page. Well, I'm on it right now, David. Okay. Go ahead. I am on it right now. And in 1996, he opened a place <laughs> called Johnny Garlic's. What kind of name is that for an Italian spot? Oh, that's right. I didn't know that. Okay. okay. Johnny Sorry, Garlic's. Come on. That's like Billy Basil's. Did, did you eat there? I never ate there. I'm just or, ripping that. I, I wouldn't or, eat there on the name alone. Okay. It, it sounds me at the moment you're questioning his marketing more than his cooking ability no so i please go ahead i i'm i'm question 
I'm questioning his naming ability. He's done pretty well in the marketing department. Um, <laughs> the second place was some kind of barbecue and sushi fusion joint named Tex Wasabi's. Yeah, go on. Uh, so, and, and, and did you eat there? I've not eaten there either, David. I refuse to eat at a Guy Fieri restaurant. I will go to plenty of his recommendations along the road. I'm all for that, and I love diners, drive-ins, and dives. I, I'm a little have you bit... ever been to TGI Fridays? Did <laughs> he consult on the menu there? I have not been to a TGI Fridays in God knows how long. Um <laughs> I think I think there was there was a TGI Fridays in Surprise. It, this is weird. You're in training camp in Oxnard. I understand you guys have an infinity pool with a, a view of the Pacific. Um, and w- w- our our home is in Surprise, and we have a view of dirt. Um, but there was a TGI Fridays, which was a big it was a big big news in the dining world in Surprise a few years ago. Uh, and I we did we were forced to eat there one night because it was open late. Um, and it closed just like everything else that opens and surprise it too closes. That's not, I was going to say, that's not, uh, uh, I would believe there would be several, several other establishments in surprise that followed suit. Uh, yes, it's not exactly, I would not say it's a booming restaurant, uh, and culinary. It's not a dining destination. Let's put it that way. Um, so, all right, David, you're in Oxnard. I, 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 I don't know if there's, maybe there is a Johnny Garlic's in Oxnard. Maybe you I'll can, look. Maybe, I'll you can, maybe you can head over there, uh, and, and write us a review because people are going to want to know about how Johnny Garlic's is before they go to the, uh, before they go to Guy Fieri's taco joint in Texas live. My deal on Texas live is this. If you want to do this as Texas live, you should have uh, a very Texas feel, right? Um, you should, yeah. You should have a great... We have plenty of great Tex-Mex outlets here from from which to choose from. Uh, you have chosen a great barbecue spot in Lockhart to go in there. Uh, Lockhart Smokehouse is, is, to me, one of the the members of the, of the Dallas Trilogy, along with Cadillac and Pecan Lodge. Uh, and if you want to include Fort Worth, you'd, you'd include Heim Barbecue. But it, it, it is a uh, it's a great barbecue spot. Um, and after that, I've been unimpressed. I have no idea. I I, I have no idea what Troy's place is going to be like. Um, but I think it basically is Troy Aikman's name on a on a beer hall. Um, we now have Pudge's. It's traditionally, what athletes have done through time. Correct. Just lent their name and really have no culinary input. Absolutely, absolutely. I like the style of food, so I'll put my name on this restaurant. Yes. Um, we have Pudge's Pizza, and again, if you were going to tie something into Pudge, why would you not do something Caribbean? Why? Why Pudge's Pizza? I I don't get that one. And pizza appeals to a wider audience, Evan. I would like to think that people would like to. Uh, indulge themselves in uh in learning more about other cultures and you would you would like to think that but is that reality i don't know i don't know what reality is anymore david and i fear we're 
heading into a political discussion. <laughs> yeah, I believe um, we're drifting into other areas now, but please, go ahead. There are, there are, just in case you were wondering, there are locations of Johnny Garlic's in Bakersfield, Brentwood, and Roseville. So I don't know which of those is the closest to you, but we'll expect you to get to one before the end of training camp. Someone on our staff will go. How's that? There you go. Who are you going to send out there? <laughs> All right, David, let's get to what the people want to talk about here. They want to talk about the Cowboys. I mean, there is cowboy fever in this town, I think. Right? Yes? Always. Has, has it ever, has that temperature ever gone below 101? No. Uh, although I. I don't know that I'm, you know, coming off of 2000, obviously coming off of 2016, there was a lot of buzz about where this where this team was. I don't know that I sense that right now coming off of what was obviously a disappointing year last year. You will get the state of the team uh, presser tomorrow with Jerry Jones. Uh, that's Wednesday, uh, which is really kind of the official opening of camp. It's always entertaining. Um, what is that scene like? I, I, I feel like it's kind of a surreal scene sometimes. It is. It has, uh, it has changed through the years um, because there was a, a period, a prolonged period, where uh, Jerry Jones would basically declare he would expect his team to compete for a Super Bowl that year. And you can only do that so many decades between Super Bowl victories before people start to roll their eyes. So over these last, I would say, five to six years, uh, Jerry has come uh, become much more cautious in his public declarations of what his expectations are for the team. Uh, a lot of times he won't even use the P word, a playoffs. He will just talk about uh, the moves they made in the offseason, deflected it, and not put any sort of uh, bar of expectations on the season. Uh, even coming off their 13-3 and three, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, he talked about his excitement and, and the good young nucleus in place. But um, you had the, the suspension uh, of Ezekiel Elliott hanging over the team's head. You had several other suspensions. You had some things you had to work through. So uh, he, he, he even reined back on what his expectations were last year. But I believe you use the word entertaining. Uh, it is always entertaining because Jerry uh, will either mangle or come up with some unusual description during these. Uh, he, you know, one year he talked about the glory hole, uh, which is now part of Cowboys vernacular and then in some respect uh, sports vernacular in DFW. I think I think uh, glory hole a glory hole's got to be his all time best or worst, depending on how you look at that, right? Yeah, and I believe the the exact quote is, I want me some glory hole. So when you actually put it in context, it probably resonates a little bit more from an entertainment standpoint. So, yes, I, I would I would put that at the top of the scale, but uh, you, you've had others through the years, and uh, uh, so he usually will throw some some sort of uh, uh, 
verbal entertainment out there over the course of the uh, news conference, and you just wait to see what it is. What do, you, what do you expect, you know, if you're sitting here, as we talk about presidential state of the unions, we sit there and try and prognosticate what, what the president is going to say. What do you expect to hear from Jerry? With the background that you've had and the amount of time you've spent around this organization, what do you expect to hear from, from Jerry tomorrow? Well, he will. Uh, he, he is a uh, while while in the bar. He is a glass uh, completely drained sort of guy. He, in in the in the world, as far as he views it, he's always not just a glass half full, but it's completely full. Uh, he's an optimist by nature, uh, certainly by marketing, but but by nature he is as well. And so he will hit on the fact that uh, the, the good young leadership you have on this team. Uh, that they uh, like where Dak is, uh, what he's done this offseason, what Ezekiel Elliott's done this offseason, how you have some young players on the defensive side of the ball that are starting to rise and how they should be better defensively than they've been been in several years. Uh, We'll feature DeMarcus Lawrence there. Uh, We'll talk about the leadership they have lost and, and give another ode to how important Jason Witten was to this team on several levels, uh, but talk about the others willing to assume the mantle of leadership, such as Sean Lee, uh, and how this team is prepared for that. He will, again, compliment Des Bryant on what he did for his career there, uh, but they feel this is time to go forward. And, and I think you will hear the message long and loud that, um, you know, they're in a they're in a transition period from a leadership standpoint and that they feel really good not just about the talent they have in this young nucleus, but the leadership they have, uh, starting with Dak Prescott, starting with what I believe they will say is uh, uh, an Ezekiel Elliott that is all in and they and because he doesn't have the suspension hanging over his head this year and he wants to reclaim uh, being the league's best back after taking a uh, – step back in that department last year because of the games he missed. So I I think those are all the uh, elements that that Jerry will hit on uh, over the course of the news conference on Wednesday. And then after he does all that, some smart aleck, uh, uh, maybe myself, will ask him about Papa John. (laughs) Yeah, that could – that. do you think the Papa – well, before we get into the Papa John thing, I just want (laughs) to – I want to get into a, a, a. I want to follow up on a couple things. So, do you think that he will mention playoffs and expectations this year and veer away from what has been his his track the last few years, or do you think he'll stay on that? I think he will say. I think he will avoid saying he expects his team to make the playoffs uh, publicly. His expectations, and I would actually go farther and say his demands internally are that they do it this year with this team. Um, because, again, you go back, uh, this team was 13-3 and three, uh, with a rookie quarterback in Dak Prescott and a rookie running back in Ezekiel Elliott and a defense that didn't have as many players uh, flash the potential uh, that they have going into this season. Uh, they were 13-3 and three in the number one seed in the NFC. If you... Now, last year they missed the playoffs. 
if you have a second consecutive season of missing the playoffs after you started things at 13 and 3 with a rookie quarterback and a running back, um, there are going to be some significant changes here, I would argue. So, do you think he will in any way publicly throw down the, the challenge of, in any veiled way, even? Uh, job security for for Jason Garrett? Well, there are always veils to whatever (laughs) Jerry Jones says, and and trying to interpret them is uh, uh, one of the things that's so interesting and what keeps them uh, at the forefront of the public discussion much of the time. I don't believe he will explicitly say that, but I believe he will talk about uh, the continuity, the culture uh, that Jason Garrett has put in place um, but also probably, if you want to make a veiled reference, I would say it would be to the fact that um, it's not just, an, you know, it's time that we see the benefits of the culture that has taken, that, uh, has taken hold under Jason Garrett, and it's time uh, we, I believe we, I don't think he'll say it's time, I think he'll say, you know, I believe we will see the benefits of uh, Jason Garrett, of sticking with him all of these years as far as what he does within games. Uh, we've already seen what he does as far as establishing the atmosphere we want uh, around here. So I, I think it will be in, in those terms where he will talk about reaping the benefits of, uh, of sticking with Jason Garrett uh, this long of a period. But I, I think it's, it's not difficult to dig under the surface and uh, understand what all this means for, for his standpoint as far as job security. I was I, I was surprised to hear you say one thing in your earlier description of this, uh, and I want to make sure I understand the context. Do you think he will bring up and, and thank Des Bryant um, unsolicited, or do you think that will be in response to a question? I think it'll be in response to a question. Okay, so, um, so if, if he could, he would go through this whole press conference without bringing up Des Bryant. Well, you know, I, I think he will be asked before he can bring it up on his own. Mm-hmm. If no one asks, which is not going to happen, um, I think he would find a way to work it in. And I guess I wouldn't rule it out as he opens. Uh, I mean, he'll certainly mention Jason Witten, and I would, I you know, I think he would probably view it as uh, disrespectful to Des Bryant if he if he raved about Jason Witten and didn't acknowledge that Des Bryant is no longer here. So, actually, uh, let me amend my statement, uh, Evan. Under uh, under intense grilling by you, I, I think he may actually bring up Des Bryant uh, before he is asked. But if he if that doesn't happen to start the press conference, I doubt we will be 10 minutes into the news conference before uh, the specter of Des Bryant is brought up. All right. The uh, and, and then one last thing before we get into other crazy stuff. Um, what do you expect this camp to be like without Jason Witten's presence there? Because he does seem like he has been just such a I don't want to overstate this, but he does seem like because of who he was, he was just a stabilizing force in the locker room uh, and was a voice of uh, a voice of reason there. Yeah, um, elder statesman, certainly. And, and he wasn't a, you know, publicly, uh, you never saw this fiery uh, leader who was yelling at guys and, and telling guys to do this or do that or um 
but his, his leadership came in the fact that he worked so hard in practice every day. He put in extra time, even late in his career. He, um, you know, he, he he led by example and and built relationships and was very firm with people, uh, especially toward the more so toward the end of his career, which I think is not uncommon. Uh, behind closed doors, from what I've been told, on just this is how you conduct yourself. This is how you need to be, and uh, wasn't afraid to point that out. But but never became didactic about it. Never never distanced himself from the players. The players always got the sense that he was in there. He was one of them. Uh, he was in there with them. Uh, he had the right. He was empowered to say the things he did. Uh, because of how hard he worked and because of, uh, they knew he was genuine with it and really cared and was, and was forging relationships with them. So that's, you know, that's a lot to miss and that really permeates, uh, I don't, I won't say it permeates the entire team, but I, I think certainly the, the upper level of, uh, of team leadership, if you will, uh, he, he undoubtedly set the tone for that. You know, all of that being said, um, I think there are some guys in there who command that sort of respect who deferred to Jason because, one, he was so good at it, and, two, uh, they felt he deserved to be deferred to. And when you see a guy like that leave, uh, I, I think you see um, the fruits of the seeds he planted or, or helped plant. And I think guys like Sean Lee, I think uh, Travis Frederick, I think Zach Martin, um, you know, in his own way, I, I think also Demarcus Lawrence coming off his performance last year. I, I think there are going to be more guys uh, step up and acknowledge that okay, this is our team. Um, how do we want it to be portrayed? How do we want everyone to practice on this team and be accountable to each other? And I, I think you will see several people rise up. I don't think it'll be any one person. And, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You, we, we've spent so much time over the past six months talking about uh, how the Cowboys replaced Jason Witten, both as a tight end and, and as a leader. Uh, and, and I think you bring up a great point that sometimes when you get a great leader and somebody that, that is comfortable with the role, that everybody identifies as good at the, at the role, uh, and, and particularly in, in a sport that's as transient as, as football can be, uh, they all do defer to that guy. And so nobody really uh, uh, demonstrates that, that ability to kind of, of take control of the, club, the, the clubhouse in baseball or the locker room in the NFL. But when you do get that absence, and as you said, if he's had impact on, on different areas and different guys – you know, you do get Sean Lee arise kind of as a, a leader on the defense, and you do get a Zach Martin and, and a, a Travis Frederick um, arising as, as, as kind of leaders uh, among the offensive linemen. And, and, and you do kind of get that, that leadership in uh, almost like a informal leadership council in different yeah. elements of the team. I think sometimes that's more effective than just having – one guy who's pretty much spread around fifty-two different, fifty-two different and disparate personalities. So hopefully that will yeah. be an asset for the Cowboys. Yeah, I agree completely. And you said leadership council. That's really how they're structured here. Uh, even when Jason Witten was here, that's how it was structured. But he was clearly 
the, the chairman of that council or the CEO of that council. Right. But, you know, and, and here's what we're talking about. You're talking about, if you're talking about a true leader, uh, if you're really a true leader and he is everything that we observed and we said he was as a leader on this team, um, there's going to be a legacy that he leaves that that he, he he gives the template for other people to show how to lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's part of leadership. It's not just telling everyone what to do, and then then you move on, and then no one knows how to react. Well, that wasn't leadership, you know. And uh, so, so I think that he was here long enough. We, we, you know, we were talking earlier about the, uh, the culture that, that Jason Garrett put in place. Uh, Jason Witten had a large part to do with that culture that was installed, and just because he steps out of it, um, I, I don't think you're going to see the, uh, the structure uh, of that uh, erode. I really don't. Yeah, and I, I, I do want to just mention, before I move on to the next topic, I do want to mention, you know, my, my experience with this is I, I go back now 20, almost 25 years with the Rangers, and you do kind of see that legacy uh, situation take effect. When I got here, clearly the clubhouse was Will Clark's domain, and there were there were parts of Will's personality that 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 were over the top and were almost kind of a parody of leadership. But he demonstrated what it took to play the game. I, it, very hard. He he and he had his group of guys. Uh, Mark McLemore was part of that group, uh, and. And Mickey Tettleton was part of that group. And I think they passed that down to Rusty Greer, who had a great ability to kind of distill out, okay, this is part of Will's bit that is that is a bit. And this is part of, of what Mickey does that I can't I can't really do. Um, and, and he took that and, and kind of passed that on to Michael Young. And I think Michael, uh, when Adrian Beltre got here, he was a little bit at that point in time of, of something of a uh, – uh, uh, I don't want to say he 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 had, he had been he was a nomad in a little in, in a little bit of, of ways he'd been with the Dodgers been the Mariners been with Boston uh, and I think that Michael um, helped grow that in Adrian a little bit I think that Michael helped grow that in Elvis and now you see Elvis and, and Adrian Beltre as kind of uh, the leaders in this clubhouse and and a legacy that goes back I think twenty plus years in the making so I, I think that can't be. Um, uh, that that shouldn't ever be understated. That that what Jason Witten does here, uh, or has done, had done for the last fifteen years, there will be elements that are passed on from everybody from to from Dak Prescott to Sean Lee to Demarcus Lawrence. And, and I think that as those guys age, hopefully they also see, okay, my legacy is what do I leave in this game? And it's not just a set of stats; it's also how I grow the people who come behind me and uh hopefully we will we will see that for for years to come with with what the cowboys leadership emerges at um david i, I do want to go here I, I do think that the the odds on favorite for where this the presser on uh, or the opening of training camp goes completely off the rails and gets into bat guano territory is when the papa john's question does come up and um the, the background there, obviously, is uh, I don't know that there's any team in, in pro sports that has a close relationship with Papa John's Pizza. I uh, don't know that there's an owner that has a close relationship with Papa John's Pizza in that Jerry, I believe, is a partner in 120 franchises. Is that correct? Uh, 
I, I believe that's correct. Yes. So, and, and the Cowboys have, while the Rangers and FC Dallas, uh, the University of Louisville, uh, I think just about every major league team that had an advertising promotion with Papa John's has suspended it and has suspended any um, signage in the stadium. Uh, the Cowboys have not yet spoken out on this, and uh, this will be a hot-button topic in the press conference, and how do you see this playing out? Well, that's, uh, I, I, you know, one, uh, you know, somewhat in fairness to them, this is this was their downtime, and, and uh, the Jones family and, and many of the, the, the business people in the organization were on uh, vacation when this happened, and so they weren't all in, now, again, I understand you can do this by phone and other, but I mean, one, I think it was the timing of it as far as this is the only downtime in the NFL. And, uh, uh, you know, the Cowboys typically don't rush into decisions, even when it appears that they should. And, and the other element on this was you, you talked about all of these other ties being dropped and, and Louisville's a little different because it was such a major contributor there. Right. Uh, and it, it was, the Papa John signage was on the stadium. It was Papa John stadium. Papa uh, John stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, they had, they basically had a naming rights deal with most MLB clubs. They had some kind of run scoring or wins promotion that led to half price pizza the next day. I'll, I'll let you get into the Cowboys situation. Yeah, well, well, the Cowboys entanglement's a little bit deeper because it's not just an association because there's a, a, a significant financial investment the owner has uh, in these franchises. So, um, you know, e- even when you look at the Louisville arrangement, yeah, their stadium was named after it because of all the money he put in to have the stadium named after him. He was the one giving the money. Uh, you know, they weren't. Uh, I, I understand they were making money out of it, but again, it was, it was just a different sort of relationship than what Jerry Jones has. And and when you have a, a an empire, and, and that's what it is, a financial empire, uh, that with the reach of uh, the, the Cowboys and, and how they've diversified and how they have their uh, financial fingers and so many different pies, um, you're going to have some uh, entanglements, and, and it's going to talk. You know, it's going to take some. Uh, figuring out how you do what you know you need to do. So I, I you know, I, I believe Jerry, uh, the first time that uh, Shatner was under fire, uh, called him a great American. I, I don't, he may defend him on some level tomorrow. I don't know that he'll call him a great American. But this is, uh, this is going to be pretty interesting to, to see how this plays out because uh, it, it's also tied into the, you know, and, and, and I hate saying the anthem issue because, you know, to me that does a disservice. I mean, uh, the, the, the players who were kneeling were about uh, systematic injustice. Uh, it, it was not a protest of the anthem, but it becomes this anthem issue. And, uh, I mean, I understand the quick, uh, the quick labeling of that, and, and you need a quick phrase to, to get people to it. But, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, again, it... it, it too easily conflates that with uh, an anthem protest. It's not right. an anthem protest. It is a protest of systematic um, violence and uh, injustice in, in, in this country. So, right, and, uh, I, I, and, and, and we, we could say that, that. And we think that Jerry has gone. Uh, Jerry has not really taken that stance. Jerry's come down very hard on we're alienating uh, a large segment of our uh, fan base. Uh, by kneeling and allowing this to happen, and, and we should make it clear that uh, players have to stand for the anthem. So, 
that is tied in on this, but but it's gone a little bit different area with the uh, the comments that came out uh, from the uh, C- the former CEO of Papa John's. Yeah, and I, I I'm gonna guess. Uh I don't know how well the NFL can clamp down on this, but based on what the NFL and the and the PA has said, they are trying to work through some of this in terms of the protests that take place during the national anthem that, as you said, are not related to people protesting well, yeah, they against put, the national Yeah, they put everything on hold, and that's going to be something else that comes up in the uh, uh, news conference. But do you think, do you Jerry think Jerry will address that? Okay. Well, He'll say, you know, the league and the players association are, are, uh, you know, working through something now, so it's not appropriate for me to say. But he may say that two or three times. But then uh, he'll also get across what his personal beliefs are again, which uh, he he's made very clear. So he, he's going to have to, um, uh, you know, do some tiptoeing on that one and and the Papa John issue because they're. Um, they're not completely related, but they're certainly connected, and they give him uh, some public relations um, backlash that he needs to handle. But but he, he knows all this. He's been through all of it. So that's why it's going to be interesting to see uh, how he approaches those two uh, issues tomorrow. All right. Well, David, I think that uh, it sounds like that, that opening presser should carry you through for the first week of practices. Um I'm hoping, yeah. That's my that's my hope and belief. Because I don't I don't know that there's going to be a Someone lot of people. Someone does need to carry me. Some a set of issues or actual people do need to carry me through training camp. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't know how much you're going to be wanting to write about sprained ankles and and chippiness and elbow pads and whatnot. So hopefully we'll have lots of controversy for you to write about. Um, we have to get out of here because uh, the TV the, the TV uh, hit is about to take place in here. Um, with our new Metro columnist, columnist, the lovely Sharon Grigsby, who uh, wrote about um, going to the Rangers game on Sunday and sitting out there in 108-degree heat. I applaud her for that because I didn't go out there. Um, I was going to say, I, didn't, I don't remember your byline from that. No, I, I left that one to, to Jerry. I knew he really wanted to be out there Sunday to see Giovanni Gallardo. <laughs> yeah, that was um, But we will get to the actual football and stuff next week when I believe Kevin will be back in the office. Well, uh, the second part of that is a bit troubling, but yes, we do get to football uh, this time for the podcast next week. That's great. I think there were plenty of things to talk about in the in the. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait to see this presser now. I, it really could go uh, in a number of different ways. So, um, I believe it could. Thanks for thanks for being with us, David. Go and enjoy the um, fresh California air, and maybe you can get over to Johnny Garlics or Tex Wasabi's while you're out there. I'll do my best. Thanks right, a lot. Good. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. All right, everybody. That's uh, that's the Ballsy Cowboys podcast for this week. Uh, Kevin should be back with us next week. I think I will be on the road in Arizona on deadline day. So I will be with you on the telephone. Um, but thank you for listening. Uh, again, we had Emily Jones-McCoy on the Rangers, David Moore on the Cowboys. Until next week, so long, everybody. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.
If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.